Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Thanks so much, Pastor Anna. Hey, we are so excited you've joined us online. We are live. How good is it that while we can't be in the building, we can't gather, but we can stay connected. And hey, if you're online right now, why don't you just uh, shout someone out? I can see what you're saying. Uh, why don't you just encourage someone? You might see someone in there that you, you miss. Um, just say, hey, Rob Jennings, I miss you. I miss you, Rob. <laughs> it was so good to see you drumming, mate. You are such an amazing person. And hey, we miss all of you, each and every one of you. Uh, if you've joined us today for the first time, or if this is just your church and you call this place home, I just want to say a massive welcome. My name's Prashan. My wife and I, we get the amazing privilege to lead our young adults. And how interesting has it been that we are now online again, like in the middle of, you know, momentum building in the middle of coming back and, and redefining what the church looks like again. We are now stuck in lockdown and I think we need a miracle. You know, we're starting the miracle season uh, series and I believe we need a miracle. But what do you do when the miracles you pray for don't happen? See, this question might hit home for you. It might hit really close to your heart. You know, there's people out there who may have been praying for the miracle of healing and unfortunately someone you've been praying for has passed away. You know, you may be praying for a miracle right now and life just keeps ticking along and, you know, it's just, it's the same thing. You may be even questioning God as to where are you right now, God, in the middle of this lockdown where I can't see miracles in my life. Where are you? You know, I think it's a great question to ask as we start the miracles, uh, the series of miracles. And I want to ask that question today. Um, but first, I want to release Caleb. Um, and I hope the Holy Spirit doesn't go with him. Thanks so much, Caleb, for being um, being willing to serve today and, and for playing and providing the atmosphere. You're amazing. And if you're watching this and you're a follower of Jesus, you know, we believe in a God who is a God of miracles. We believe in a God who's good, who gives good gifts. So what is our response when the miracles we pray for don't happen. You know, there's an amazing account of two women in the Bible of the name Mary and Martha who seemingly go through what we have maybe gone through in our life where their miracle just doesn't seem to happen. You know, if you have your Bible at home, why don't you turn with me to John 11 verses 1 through to 7. And it's talking about a man named Lazarus. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that the, so God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Hey, let's just pray. Father, we just pray that you encounter us in a new way this morning. 
you, we pray that whenever we watch this video message, whenever we watch this, uh, this online, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit just fills the room, the car, uh, you know, wherever we're watching this right now to bring your presence and, and bring a new sense of revelation to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, have you ever prayed for God to work a miracle in your life only to experience life continue as per normal? I remember when um, I was a teenager, you know, we prayed for my cousin who was a teenager himself and, and he was diagnosed with leukaemia. And I remember at the time, you know, my family, my extended family, um, my cousins, we were in the hospital rooms, you know, day in, night, night out. Uh, we were fasting and praying and really coming together to seek God for a miracle in my cousin's life. And, you know, shortly after, we actually found that he went into remission and he was cleared of any cancer. And we felt that the miracle had been, had been you know, it, it was there, it, it happened. But not so long after, we found that he'd actually been re-diagnosed with leukaemia, this time worse than before, and quickly after that deteriorated and passed away at the age of 21 years old. Now, I was only about 15 or 16 at the time, and I couldn't comprehend it. How can the miracle that we prayed for happen, yet in the same breath, how could my cousin not be with us any longer? You know, you may resonate with me and this story right now. You know, when we read this scripture about Lazarus falling ill and we see Jesus's response, there's something in all of us that just wants to connect with what he's saying. We want what he's saying to be true to us. Like we need it to be true. When he says this sickness will not end in death, but it's so that God is glorified through it. If you're like me, you read this or you hear this and you say, yes, this is it. Here is the promise of a miracle out of the mouth of the Son of God Himself. You know, it's something we want to hear our doctors or our, you know, our bankers or our, our spouse saying, hey, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's all going to be okay. So reading this as a people who are now expecting a miracle based on what Jesus is going to do with Lazarus, we then set up an expectation of Jesus that is based on Him healing Lazarus. But we read on and we see that while Jesus gave a message of hope to Mary and Martha that this sickness will not end in death, He also gives a message of perspective by saying the reason that Lazarus is experiencing this right now is so that God's glory is evident and that He Himself is glorified as God's Son. So all of a sudden we see that Lazarus's current situation and, the, and really the state of his whole life has become a vessel of opportunity for God to be glorified in. Now, as far as we know, this sickness was not because of anything Lazarus had done. Like it's not because he has just eaten some undercooked chicken that his wife has made for him. Or it's not because, you know, he's had a shower and he's go, gone out in, in the cold with his hair still wet and now he's all of a sudden sick. You know, that's a myth that your parents may have told you. That's not true. So you can go out any time of the day with your hair wet and you'll be fine. I guarantee it. But Jesus says that the reason for this is so that he could be glorified and he could glorify his father. So when it comes to having the conversation around God and miracles, it's a good idea to avoid basing our view of God and miracles on our own human understanding. 
Because when we base our understanding of God and miracles on what we know, we actually create expectations of God based on what we want. And we start speaking at God and not to Him. You know, when this occurs, we, and you may have been here, but you often get caught in a tension where we can't divorce our own expectations of God from His sovereign plan. And when we can't do that, often we're left feeling empty and, is, as it, and if God has let us down, but really it's just our warped perception of who God was and who God is to us. And you know, Mary and Martha had their own expectations of Jesus. They say, Lord, the one you loved. Like, isn't that an interesting message to send? You know, scholars say that Mary, Martha and Lazarus were about a day's journey from Jesus. And they sent a messenger to say those short words, Lord, the one you love is sick. Can you imagine sending your best friend or your partner or someone you really like uh, a, a text message saying, hey, the one you love is sick? Like, it's, it's a little bit cryptic. It's almost a little bit passive if you think about it. So Mary and Martha were kind of putting the expectation back into Jesus's court saying, hey, here's the ball It's in your court. Now you do what you will with it. And they had the expectation that Jesus would drop everything and run to their brother so that he would be resurrected. But instead of the Bible stating that, we actually see that Jesus just responds with perspective, showing me that if there's ever a need of a miracle, there's an opportunity for God to be glorified. See, if you're, in, if you're in need of a miracle right now, if you're watching this and you need a miracle, you are perfectly positioned with an opportunity for God to be glorified in and through your situation. I love what Pastor Miles spoke about last week in that miracles can help us stay God-focused, others-focused and kingdom-focused. It's a shift in our perspective And when we read the Scripture, and especially this Scripture, we can see that Jesus suggests that we may need a perspective shift to realise that the miracles we seek are for His glory, not our comfort. That the miracles we seek are to reveal His divinity, not our persistence. And that the miracles we seek are to help the Kingdom of God and the Kingdom of Heaven invade earth not to help us continue to build our own kingdom on earth. So the opportunity to glorify God in your situation doesn't hinge on the completion of your miracle, but on your response in the wait. Now that may be hard to hear and comprehend because you may be watching this and and you're saying, Prashant, I've been praying for miracles for years and I still haven't seen one. But let me ask you a question. What's your expectation of God? Are you expecting a miracle on your terms or on His? What if what's happening within you, in the wait, far outweighs what's happening to you right now? It's an interesting response that Jesus has when He hears that His friend is sick in verse 5 and 6. Jesus says, or the Bible says that Jesus loved Mary, Martha and Lazarus. So when He heard that Lazarus was sick, He stayed where he was two more days 
and then said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea, which was the the region from where uh, Mary, Martha and Lazarus were from. You know, I remember when my wife's uh, waters broke uh, before we obviously had our first baby and it was at an ungodly hour. I think it was 2.30 in the morning. And I remember when I heard, you know, her saying, I think my waters broke. It was like the Spirit of God came over me and I was up. I was ready. I was focused. Like, forget Red Bull. I was ready to deliver the baby right there and then. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, like, this can happen at any time. We need to rush to the hospital because anything can happen right now. And look, while my wife wasn't sick, I'm sure all of you agree that that response was probably kosher, right? However, we read Jesus' response when he reacts to the news that Lazarus is sick. And it's the complete opposite. It says that Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, so he stayed where he was for two more days. But Jesus, Lazarus is sick. You're already a day's, you know, a day's travel away from him. Like you need to leave right now before he goes downhill any further. You know, Peter, who was the one who always spoke up at the wrong times, was probably like, Jesus, I'll book you an Uber right now. <laughs> like I'll even pay for it out of my own pocket. Like John was probably saying, Jesus, you don't actually even need to go. Just say the word and your friend will be healed. You know, sometimes we don't see an answer. Or we don't see a miracle in our situation because Jesus loves, so he stays. Jesus loves, so sometimes he stays. You know, in this situation, Jesus stayed put because he knew that what was happening in Mary and Martha and Lazarus was building up what was happening inside of them more so than what potentially could have happened if he performed that miracle there and then. You know, sometimes we don't see a miracle take place because what's happening inside of us when we stir our faith and when we fast and pray and seek God for a miracle actually builds us up more for the miracle that's going to happen. You know, Peter, the disciple of Jesus who has, has been with Jesus for three years and has had his ups and downs, he puts it like this in 1 Peter 1.17. He says, in this, and he's talking about the inheritance that believers have in Jesus, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus knew that the testing of the genuineness of Mary and Martha's faith was for a little while necessary so that it could result in glorifying God and revealing Himself as the Son of God. What if the situation that you're going through right now is the exact same? What if right now, for a little while, if necessary, you are being grieved by various trials, which are painful and are difficult, but it's so that the tested genuineness of your faith reveals Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What is your situation revealing right now? Is it revealing Jesus? Or is it revealing something else? 
You know, I love that Peter describes this testing process of our faith as more precious than gold that's put through fire because he's trying to help the readers understand and picture the role of a goldsmith. You know, a goldsmith was someone in the biblical times and and probably still is around. I I don't know if they're still around. I'm sure there's machines that can do this now. (laughs) There's someone who would break down unrefined gold and, and make that into pure gold. So they would have this cauldron, a big pot, which would sit over a fire and they would put all their gold coins and gold earrings in and gold chains and they would would help it melt down. It will move from a solid to a liquid so that they could process this and make it refined. And the the thing that Peter was saying was this process called smelting was used to test the quality or the genuineness of the gold. See, when unrefined gold is melted over fire, it changes from solid to liquid. And in that process, the impurities are released from the gold and rise to the surface. So the more unrefined the gold is, the more impurities rise to the surface. And then it was up to the goldsmith to slowly scrape away the impurities from the gold, to take all the impurities out, to refine the gold and make it pure. You know, once he could look down into the cauldron and see his own reflection, he knew that the work was complete. You know, being a follower of Jesus is more a process of becoming than it is a sequence of doing. Often because of our instant gratification culture, we so quickly want a miracle and we so quickly want to celebrate a miracle. But I want to encourage you, don't miss the power in the process. It's in the process that your endurance is built. It's in the process that your, your faith is strengthened. It's in the process where Jesus is revealed. See, Jesus choosing to stay where he was when he received that news shows me that he values the process happening within you. You know, what if personal spiritual formation was more important than the physical completion of the things in our life? What if who we are becoming is way more important than what we are doing or what is being done to us? If you're waiting on a miracle right now, be encouraged that God is working, whether it's in the wait or in the work. He's still moving, He's still present, and He's still waiting to be revealed in your situation. So then the question is, What should my response be if I don't see the miracles that I pray for? Well, let's look at the two responses of both Mary and Martha. If you go to verse 20 uh, to 26, we can see Martha's response. And the Bible says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Come on, let's skip forward to Mary in verse 32. Because we see Mary, she reaches the place where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her weeping also, 
He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. There's two reactions here, which share some similarities, but also reveal stark differences between the individuals. And we can see Jesus's reaction, which is polar opposite to both Martha and Mary. See, both women start the conversation with Jesus saying the same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. However, the approach of Martha and Mary were were further apart. They were polar opposites. You know, Martha came to Jesus for a solution to a problem. She says, but I know that even now, God will give you what you ask. Whereas Mary came to Jesus in reverence. In the middle of her grief, broken by her grief, she falls at Jesus' feet in an act of worship. You know, I think there's an interesting dynamic which we've subconsciously fostered in the Australian Pentecostal church and it has to do with formulas and principles. You know, a formula is a method or procedure for achieving something. Whereas a principle is a fundamental truth that serves as the foundation for a system or a belief or a behaviour. You know, formulas place the importance in us. What can I do to make an outcome? Whereas principles place the emphasis on God. Often we approach miracles with a formula. If I just had faith and I add that to my God, I'm going to see a miracle. But you know, when we don't see miracles, we go back to the drawing board and we say, well, I haven't seen a miracle, so there has to be something wrong with my God or my faith. So what we try and do is we try and have a little bit more faith. (laughs) We pray harder. You know, we fast for longer. You know, we worship harder. It's almost like we try and bend the arm of God so that we can do everything we can. Uh, we can almost do everything we think He thinks is, is perfect so that He can move on the miracle. Whereas understanding the principle of the miracle is understanding that we serve a God who can and will move at His sovereign time. And it's knowing that if He doesn't or if He does, He's just as good. And understanding that is understanding that there's nothing we can do to stop His miracles, but there's nothing we can do to start it. So the faith that we have for the miracles is actually building us and it's improving our posture and our heart towards who God is for the miracle that's about to come. See, Martha came with a formula to resurrect Lazarus. Mary knew the principles of Jesus. See, Martha's history was physically uh, focused. You know, I don't know if you've read uh, the time about Jesus going and visiting the, the house of Mary and Martha. And you can see Martha running around and, and trying to put on the best feasts for Jesus and making sure that the bathrooms are clean and, you know, moving all the shoes at the front of the house to make sure it looks like we live an okay life. But Mary's found sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha says, Jesus, don't you care that Mary's not doing anything? And Jesus in, in the Prashan version just says, she, she's got it. She knows what's going on. See, Martha's history was physically focused. Where Mary was Jesus focused. She sat at His feet in her home and she falls at His feet near the tomb of Lazarus. You know, Martha accepted Jesus's divinity, but she still needed a physical miracle for comfort. Whereas Mary acknowledged Jesus's sovereignty 
and knew that his plans were higher. See, Martha couldn't really see who Jesus really was in the middle of her situation. Whereas Mary fell at Jesus' feet in reverence to worship Him in the middle of her grief. Martha thought that the resurrection of Lazarus was the end goal. Mary knew that the resurrection of Jesus was the end goal. Martha focused on the miracle. Mary focused on the miracle worker. Martha was short-sighted, whereas Mary was eternally perspective. When it comes to needing a miracle, but not yet receiving it, let me ask you a question. Will your response be like Mary's or will it be like Martha's? Because if you read on, you will see that Jesus goes on to raise Lazarus from the dead. But I'm going to put it out there and say, I actually don't believe that this story, this account of the miracle of Lazarus was just about Lazarus. Because when I read this account, I see more conversations between Jesus and His disciples, and I see more response and reactions from both Mary and Martha than I do any in-depth information about Lazarus. And it makes me believe this, that this miracle was not just about the miracle's completion, but about Mary and Martha and the disciples' formation, what's happening within them. Who they, who they were becoming, who they were seeing Jesus to be. You know, what if the miracle of Lazarus being brought back from the dead, which is a huge miracle in itself, was not the main focus at this point, but instead the spiritual formation of Jesus' disciples, Mary, Martha, and the huge crowd of Jews that surrounded them was. Who are we becoming when we don't see the miracles that we pray for happen? And do we change when they do happen? Or do we see the goodness of God in both the waiting and the working? Will we continue to focus on the miracle or will we shift our perspective to the miracle worker? Because we can look at the bigger picture in the Bible and we see that the miracles of both Jesus and His apostles were not just to bring a sense of normalcy to, a, to someone's situation, but it was to foretell the eternal kingdom of heaven and it was to reveal the divinity and the salvation of God. See, when Martha was looking to solve her short-term problem, Jesus provided an eternal solution. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Let me just end with this Tim, Tim Keller quote. He says, We modern people think of miracles as the prevention of the natural order. But Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. The Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease, hunger and death in it. Jesus has come to redeem where it is wrong and heal the world where it's broken. His miracles are not just proofs that He has the power, but also wonderful foretastes of what He's going to do with that power. Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, but a promise to our hearts that the world we all want is coming. See, if you're not seeing a miracle in your life right now, let me encourage you. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking God. Don't stop having faith. Because there's something happening within you in the wait 
that's preparing you for the miracle that is to come, whether it's here on earth or in eternity. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank You so much that You are a God of the supernatural, that You are a miracle working God, and we believe that. And God, right now, help us shift our perspective from our current situations and our short-term thinking to Your eternal perspective. God, not our will, but Yours. We lay everything that we need and we want at Your feet. We fall at Your feet in reverence. Father, there's, there's people out there who are just grieving right now, God. I pray that You can meet them in their grief. There are people out there who are doubting right now, God. I pray that You can meet them in their doubt. God, we don't, we don't need our faith to hinge on the completion of the miracle. We can see You're working. And we believe that You're working even in the waiting. And still praying, if there's anyone who is watching this and you yourself, you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, let me just say that there's one miracle in the Bible that is God sending His one Son to die on the cross for all humanity. And the miracle is this, that three days later, Jesus, who was crucified on the cross, rises again, defeats the grave and stands in victory for you and I. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you believe Jesus is. He believes in you and He came for you. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of who you are, Jesus wants you to know that He loves you so much that He took the cross on and defeated the grave. So if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, to change your life for eternity, it may be hard over the next couple of years, but your eternity is secure knowing that you'll spend it with Jesus. And if you want to make that decision, there's a little pop-up that's just popped up on your screen. And let me encourage you, why don't you press that and raise your hand? And you'll be able to speak with our team on, on what our next steps look like following Jesus because it is hard. Jesus says, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And I believe that we can do that. But if you've made that decision, I just want to pray with you. Jesus, I thank you that there's people making that decision right now. That God, you are working in their hearts. You're, you're renewing them from the inside out. God, you're changing who they are. You're just... You're just washing away all their sins in an instant, God. And I thank You that they can turn around and they can turn their life 180 and that they can follow You for the rest of their days. Thank You that You forgive us, Jesus. I thank You that You call us sons and daughters, that we're adopted into Your, into your kingdom and into Your family. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Hey, if you made that decision, we are so excited to celebrate with you. Come and chat to one of our team online. Hey, we can't wait to see you in person. So keep your eyes peeled. Follow us on social media. Follow someone who's in that chat and just say hi and connect yourself because we can't wait to do this with you.